This is Scott Richmond, the director from New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. Coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate. And this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The Supreme Court has been on the front lines for the past year and certainly for the past few weeks as they decided a series of very important cases and set themselves up for more landmark decisions in the next term. Each July for the past 24 years, ADL, together with the National Constitution Center, hosts what we call the Supreme Court Review to take stock of the term that just ended at the end of June. More than 10,000 people tune in each year for this very special virtual event, which will take place on Thursday, July 13th, from 12 to 1.30 Eastern. Here to give us a sneak peek at what will be discussed and to provide all the details on how you can be a part of this event is Steve Freeman, ADL Senior Counsel. Welcome back, Steve, too, from the front lines. Thanks very much, Scott. Happy to be here. So last year at this time, we talked about the incredibly conservative court that was now in place and had issued a series of landmark decisions, including the one on abortion. What is your general assessment of this past year? Is it more of the same in terms of a court taking extremely conservative positions on core societal issues? How, how would you characterize it? Overall, I think that's a fair characterization. Um, certainly at the end of the term, the major decision on affirmative action Another major decision on LGBTQ rights saw the six to three majority hold in a very strong way. There were a couple other cases where they backed off a little bit um, and uh, and took positions in favor of voting rights uh, and uh, and against redistricting that we were pleasantly surprised by. But overall, fair to say the conservative court uh, is very much uh, in place and very strong. Let's unpack some of that. You mentioned the affirmative action case. I think that's uh, that's a case that's very much on people's minds and will certainly be discussed at the Supreme Court Review on July 13th. What is ADL's view of that decision? Students for Fair Admissions v. Harvard and a companion case involving University of North Carolina were cases involving a challenge to Harvard's uh, race-conscious admissions policy, pursuant to which race was considered as one factor among many as part of a holistic evaluation of each individual applicant. I should start by saying ADL has always opposed quotas, goals, numerical preferences. We've always said race should never be the decisive factor. Um, but uh, under ADL policy, and what we argued in this case was that um, a holistic consideration of an applicant, including everything that's important about them, including their race, is appropriate, and that diversity in higher education is a compelling government interest. We, the brief that we filed cites our work on a variety of, uh, in a variety of education-related settings, which has taught us that um, a diverse faculty and a diverse student body bring different experiences and viewpoints to a campus, and that diversity can also help foster a just and inclusive society uh, and mitigate against racial and ethnic discrimination and hate. So we see enormous value in diversity. We argued in this, in this case in particular that Harvard a century ago, back in the 1920s and 1930s, had quotas in place that were designed specifically and explicitly to limit and decrease Jewish enrollment, and we vehemently objected at the time. Now, a century later, they were doing it right. They were not looking. They were, there were no quotas. There were no numerical goals. They were looking at applicants, the entirety of the applicant, and doing so with an eye towards 
sort of having a balanced class. They had a violinist, they had a quarterback, had, had uh, you know, took into account where people were from geographically, and race was one factor among many. Uh, and, and so we argued in favor of uh, what Harvard was doing. Unfortunately, the court saw it a different way. Yeah, and, and overturned a huge amount of precedent, a huge amount of, uh, of activity in universities. And, and I think many people lifted up this issue that we in the Jewish community should be, uh, should be looking to uh, abolish these uh, actions because of the quotas of a century ago. And you, you really laid out the distinction. What we said in response to the decision was that it reflects a fundamental misunderstanding of the history and present realities of racial discrimination in this country and why affirmative action is still needed. And we continue to believe that, um, that, that as I said, that diversity is important and that really there should be equality of opportunity as much as we can, as much as we can get there. And obviously in a school like Harvard, they turn away, you know, thousands of, of applicants who have perfect scores and, and perfect you know, test scores, perfect grade, point averages, and so forth. But, but they still, it's important to look at the entirety of the applicant. Now the question going forward will be um, what can they look at and what can't they look at? And the court did say that, that they can read what applicants write in their essays, including perhaps their, you know, how, how their experience with, uh, with their race has impacted their, their growth as an individual and uh, what it has meant to them, what sacrifices they've made and so forth. Um, but there's still a lot of questions about um, what they can and can't do, whereas before it was pretty clear what, what they could do. As you said, uh, Scott, the court has really thrown things, uh, thrown universities for a loop. I think many of them thought it's coming, but now they have to go back to the drawing board to figure out how to still try to build a class that is inclusive, that is diverse, that uh, expects and, and understands different people's backgrounds and why they can contribute to, to cre- creating a, you know, an educational environment that's good for everybody. What is ADL's view of the religious accommodation case in the workplace, Groff to, uh, versus DeJoy, uh, was extremely significant. So tell us about what that means and what the court decided. Sure. So this was a case, this looked at a case from 1977 called T.W.A.V. Hardison, in which the Supreme Court had said that an employer uh, is required to, to allow a religious accommodation for an employee uh, unless it would cause an undue hardship. And the question was what was meant by the term undue hardship. It had been understood previously that anything more than a de minimis cost for the employer would constitute undue hardship. The court here decided, uh, was asked to revisit that standard and, in fact, said, that, that it really should be um, more than that. It should be a, some, an accommodation that, would, that the employer must show that the burden of a granting an accommodation would result in a substantial increased cost. Uh, and this is a position that we asked uh, the court to take. We were joined in, our, in an interesting brief where, which with a group of Mormons, Baptists, Catholics, and Evangelicals. So there were five different faith-based... And so in this case, we agreed with the court. We, uh, we agreed with the court, uh, and in fact... This was a unanimous decision, and the religious community, the faith community, pretty much across the spectrum, welcomed it. Uh, and we said in our in our tweet about it that it was a huge and welcome boost for Jews and other people of faith who have been forced to choose between observing religious practices and making a living. It was a, it, this was a good outcome, um, and one that we were we were pleased to welcome. And uh, of course, the three hundred three creative case, the LGBTQ plus case, which uh, just pitted against free speech. What what about that case? Yeah, 303 Creative versus Alenis. Um, this was a case involving a website designer who 
um, did not want to have to design a website for a gay couple, uh, and they sought an exemption from Colorado's anti-discrimination law. But they said this was a they were engaging in free expression. And this, what was unusual about this case um, was this is the first time, as Justice Sotomayor pointed out in her dissent, first time in its history that the court granted a business open to the public a constitutional right to refuse to serve members of a protected class. I, I, we took a position very, very we, we said that, that the discrimination law here um, should apply and people shouldn't be allowed to, to exempt themselves from it once they enter into the business, the world of commerce, the business world. If they want to do something privately, they're welcome to do it. But once they open a, put the, the sign on their door open for business, they should not be, they should have to comply with discrimination laws. The court didn't see it that way uh, in a six to three decision led by the conservatives. And I think this one really opens a door very wide to all kinds of discrimination, not just against the LGBT community. Any, any business that provides customized, expressive products, you know, whether it's a cake or flowers or an invitation or anything like that, um, now potentially could put a sign up saying, uh, you know, we don't serve gays, we don't serve Jews, we don't serve evangelicals, we don't serve Muslims. Any, any, if they're, if they're engaging in some sort of expressive activity beyond just commercial activity, which many, many businesses, of course, do, uh, this opens the door to a lot more discrimination. And it's a so, very, very, so it has, uh, case. Very, uh, very broad implications. Very concerning. All right. Everybody should tune into the Supreme Court Review. Tell us how they can do it. www.adl.org backslash supreme dash court dash review. And again, it's this Thursday, July uh, 13th. July 13th but at noon to t- noon to one thirty Eastern time, featuring a whole range of very big name constitutional scholars and experts. And for the lawyers out there, they can get continuing legal education credit for it. Correct, in, in many, many states, including New York and New Jersey. Great. Tell us, most importantly, in the remaining seconds of the show, why should we all tune in, Steve, in your opinion? Well, I think these decisions have an impact on everybody. You know, the, the consequences, as I was just saying, um, are not limited to the specific facts of the, uh, and the people involved. So it's important for people to understand them. Steve, this annual event is much anticipated and clearly with good reason, as we all look to understand how significant these changes are. So thank you for giving us this overview of the Supreme Court Review and for once again being on on this program and and really for all you do all year to fight against anti-Semitism and hate. Thanks very much. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is Fighting Hate for Good.